It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Atlanta series is also in major jeopardy, and how they handle that is going to be fascinating. There's this hurricane coming. Gary Cohn's mentioned it a bunch of times. I did my own research, and my research basically said, yeah, I guess there's a hurricane coming next week. So there may be a lot of rain in Atlanta over the weekend. And Major League Baseball is really squeezed. They, they are. They, there's no good situation here because of the condensedness, if that's a word, of this schedule. There's only one off day. And having the Mets play the Braves in what would essentially be a one-game playoff, if they have to play a game Thursday and then have the loser have to play Friday, two 100-win teams feels incredibly unfair. It feels like you are giving somebody a major competitive edge. And so I, I, what's the right answer here? I think as we get closer to Thursday, if you see that this weather is that bad, you got to consider moving the series. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting moving it to New York. That would be insanely unfair. You got to move it to a dome somewhere in the South or I guess Milwaukee. If they're not home, I have to check their schedule. You got to move it. Are the Rays or Marlins home that weekend? That's a good question. I have to check that out. But, but no, because it's Florida. If there's a hurricane, they they may yeah, not. They got wa- the domes, though. I, I know, but if there's a hurricane, they're not going to play games. Now, if the hurricane is passed, fine. But if the hurricane's damaging, you can't go down to South Florida and say, oh, by the way, you guys okay? We're going to go play a few baseball games. <laughs> I'd have to look at the schedule and find out who's home. I don't think baseball wants to do it. I don't think the Atlanta Braves would want to do it. But the Braves have to ask themselves a question. If they can't play at all this weekend, which is the doomsday scenario, what the hell do you suggest doing? I mean, come on. You're going to play a doubleheader on Thursday after the season's over? And then if you still need another game, then you're going to play Friday and push the playoffs back? It's it's a really, really tough spot. I think the the best case scenario, well, the best case scenario is you play all three games. But I think one scenario you would trot and down is to at least get two of the three games in because then at least you put yourself in a spot where you may not need the third game, depending on what happens in the series, depending on what happens um, with the Nationals series, what happens with the Marlins series for the Braves. But that that could be a freaking nightmare. And that could be a nightmare for us because the last thing any of us want is this season to extend an extra day with the possibility that they could lose and have to play the next day? I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at what stadiums are available, right? So you got Cincinnati, you got you got Philadelphia, you got Boston, you got Kansas City, you got Minnesota, you got Miami, you got Tampa Bay, 
you got Pittsburgh, you got Texas, you got Oakland, you got Chicago White Sox, you got the Rockies, you got the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I guess Texas probably seems like the best idea. That's where you move it. You move it to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think MLB is going to want to do that, though. I don't think they're going to want to screw the Atlanta Braves, who have not only big gates for the weekend, but home field advantage in a three-game series that could decide the National League East. Yeah, but you're screwing the, the, the fans no matter what. Because if you have the games and it's a terrible weather, people are going to go. Uh, there's potential accidents and, and actually life-threatening issues going on. So one way or the other, it's it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be terrible. So you might yeah. as well just say, take the money back. We're going to move it another place. Sorry, it's a mess. It's it's not an ideal scenario. I mean, this is a series we've talked about for a long time. We've all been laser focused on, and now it, it it'll still happen, but it may look completely different. Like even if they can Friday, can Saturday, and they play a doubleheader Sunday, that feels different too. Because now all of a sudden you're like. Who should pitch those two games? I guess DeGrom and Scherzer. Have a DeGrom-Scherzer doubleheader and then play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and hope you don't need a game on Thursday. And if you do need a game on Thursday, now everybody's got to go fly back to Atlanta. And that's where the Mets would be at a disadvantage because if they've got to play Thursday and let's say they lose that game, then they've got to come back to New York the next day and open up a wild card series. I doubt they're going to move that series. So hopefully the weather, we're still a week away or five days away. So hopefully things will change before then. But do keep that in mind, that that could be a major issue. And the Mets are barely playing this week. I wonder if the story, I just, I, an idea just popped into my head, Hoff. It just popped into my head. The Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, both are off on Thursday. Okay, the Braves play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Mets are off Monday, and they obviously play Tuesday, Wednesday, and they're off Thursday. So maybe if the weather's not supposed to hit till the next day, you could actually get two games in on Thursday. Now, that would be very, very unorthodox, but it is at least an option if the weather isn't supposed to get bad till Friday to actually get a game, if not two games in, on Thursday. So I do see Thursday as um, 3% precipitation at night, though it seems like it's going to be like 60%. So it's going to be evening thursday where it really it, it seemed like it's gonna start it's at 60 percent already so definitely a day game though definitely yeah. get tried for attempt a day game i don't think they'll do it though i <laughs> i think they're gonna treat it like ah, it's rain it could pass we'll wait on friday up rain delay up rain out saturday doubleheader ah rain out okay we'll play two sunday i i don't know if they're gonna treat it like because I don't think the I, – I, I, you know what? F it. I don't really know that much about this hurricane. I was going to say I don't think the hurricane's going to hit Atlanta. It's just the remnants of it. But the truth is I have no freaking idea. Check your local weather service. Download a weather podcast, and they'll give you the, all, all the information. All I know is let me know what the deal is Thursday. <laughs> I'll recheck Thursday, and we'll see if we'll have a series or not. All right. Let's get to Eduardo Escobar. What Eduardo Escobar is doing right now is freaking insane. I mean, this guy was having such an awful season to the point where he's a bench player, he's a platoon player, uh, you can't play this guy every day. And then really when Beatty got hurt and they were forced to have to play Eduardo Escobar every single day, Eduardo Escobar against lefties, against righties, against whomever, doesn't freaking matter. This guy's been a beast. And he has put together one of the great Septembers of all time. He wrapped up this series, the finale of this series, by getting three more hits, getting a two-run single that really, I don't say broke the game open in the third inning, but added to breaking the game open in the third inning. 
And I was thinking back to some of the other, <laughs> the other great months in the history of the New York Mets. And I did this off the top of my head. So if there are guys I'm forgetting, and I'm sure there's plenty of guys who had massive months, but these are the three that jump out at me because of the fact that the guys sucked. You know what I mean? So I'm not giving you a big month John Olerud had or a big month Mike Piazza had or David Wright had because they were great players. Of course, they had big months. They had big years. Eduardo Escobar for this season had a horrific season. And then September came around and we're going to look back at his numbers and say, okay, they weren't terrible. Yeah, okay. Guy hit 19, 20 home runs. All right, guy drove in 65 runs. All right, guy had a 730, 740 OPS. And we're going to look back at his numbers and say they weren't bad. So here are the three guys that jump out at me. And, and again, three crappy Mets who had months to die for. And two of them, and this makes it so frustrating, two of them had massive Aprils. And it was their first year with the team. So think about this. Yeah, you've been acquired by the Mets. Here's the new guy. Tears up April. Guy number one. I'm going to give you stats, then I'll tell you who it is. All right. Guy number one played one year for the New York Mets. In April, hit 385 with a 1,017 OPS. Hit four home runs and drove in 16 runs. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. By the way, I'm going to pull up Eduardo Escobar September so we could compare the massiveness of what this guy did and what Escobar has done. But those are the numbers. 385, 1,017 OPS, four home runs, 16 RBIs. Escobar, just for the record, right now in September, I I haven't calculated what he did on Sunday, so let's add a few points to it. 320, seven home runs, 19 RBIs. So a few more RBIs than this guy. Uh, This guy, uh, yeah, a few more RBIs, a few more home runs than this guy, but not quite the batting average. The guy I'm thinking of went on to hit 248 in May, 176 in August, 200 in September, to the point where he was a non-factor during the postseason. That's right. He could have been on the postseason roster. And I think he was for maybe the opening round in 2000. But then he doesn't exist. And that guy is Derek Bell. Derek Bell. Remember Derek Bell? Yeah. Derek freaking Bell. I think he was in the Mike Hampton trade. I think he was a throw-in in the Mike Hampton trade, if memory serves correct. I could be wrong. So we got Derek Bell. One month. By the way, Derek Bell lived on a boat. You know about that? Lived on a boat right outside LaGuardia Airport. And, you know, we get off his boat, come to Shea Stadium, rip three hits in April, and then go home. And then he sucked after that and was out of baseball within two years. Maybe she lived in like a, like a house instead of a boat. <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> All right. The other guy I'm thinking of had. The other guy I'm thinking of was also a throw in in a trade. Okay. Throw in in a trade. Did not hit for a high average in April of this year, but hit nine home runs and drove in 25 runs. The guy was hitting home runs at a ridiculous pace. After that, he would hit six home runs combined the rest of the season. That's right. Nine in April, six the rest of the season. The man was a throw-in in the Noah Syndergaard-Travis Darno trade. 
and that is John Buck. John Buck. What a piece of crap he turned out to be after April. I'm kidding, John. You're not a piece of crap. You just didn't produce after April. The other guy I'm thinking of, this guy was crazy. Because this guy actually got off to a good start. Okay. Then he completely fell off for a few months and then had a ridiculous July in a season that no one remembers. In fact, this guy also had a massive month for a different baseball team about four years earlier and almost won the MVP, okay? In fact, I saw this guy's numbers up on ESPN the other day. No, it was Fox. When they were broadcasting the massive month Aaron Judges had, like Aaron Judges having the greatest month in the history of baseball, and they popped up three other names, and they were all-time great players. It was Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, and then this guy. And this guy hit 294 in July with 1,000 OPS and hit 10 home runs. That guy, Richard Hidalgo. Dick Hidalgo had a big month back in 2004. Now, I I don't know if Eduardo Escobar, where he measures up to these three other guys, because you know what's going to determine where Eduardo Escobar measures up? October is going to determine it. Because Derek Bell... If he played in October in 2000, I think he played in that first round, that divisional series. It wasn't a lot. Eventually, Timo Perez, Benny Agbayani, and Jay Payton became that outfield that year. And so Derek Bell became a non-factor. He may have gotten hurt. I don't remember exactly what happened to him, but he was gone. Richard Hidalgo was on a team that went nowhere, and John Buck was on a team that went nowhere. Eduardo Escobar is going to write his script in October. If somehow Eduardo can continue September into October, this freaking guy could become a legend. He could become a legend. But man, oh man, he has been tremendous in September. He clearly has won his everyday job back. There's no doubt. There's one option in which he becomes the DH, by the way. I was thinking about this against lefties. If you're not confident in Mark Vientos, and you're not confident in Darren Ruff, and Starling Marte doesn't walk through that door, and I'll get to him in a minute, you could play Escobar at DH, Guillerme at third base, Jeff McNeil at right. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Luis, I, I apologize. Luis Guillerme at third base. No, Luis Guillerme at second. Wait, what was my plan? I think I forgot my plan. I had a whole plan. So Escobar's going to be a DH, so he's not playing the infield. So no, got, I know, you, I know. I'm, you got Guillerme third and McNeil at second? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's with Starling Marte back. That's where I got confused. Marte's in right. Guillerme is at... Third, McNeil at second, Escobar at third base. So basically, instead of playing Darren Ruff or Mark Vientos, you choose to have better defense and play Luis Guillerme. That's an option. Now, if Marte is not ready to play the field, which I don't know what his status is because he's still not gripping a bat, and so I'm not exactly confident we're going to see him for the Atlanta series. I don't know if we're going to see him for October. I mean, we may see him in the middle of October. I have no idea. But if you need to DH Marte at first, then you could play McNeil and right. Escobar third, Guillerme at second base. But right now, who is your DH against left-handed pitching? Mets are in the postseason. They're facing Jordan Montgomery in game three of the National League Divisional Series. Who's the DH? You got an answer, Hoff? Who's the DH? Lefty on the mound postseason right now. Uh, I I refuse to say Darren Ruff. So, I mean, if you tell me that Marte's back, is, is that part of it or no? Is Marte back? Either one. If, if, Mar- if, if Marte isn't back... Then who the hell's playing right field against the lefty? You're going to start Tyler Naquin, who did get a big RBI single against the lefty, but 
he's still overall like a 150 hitter against lefties. I'm more comfortable. I really am more comfortable with Escobar being at DH and, and having Guillermo third, McNeil second. I don't like uh, McNeil in the outfield. I just don't. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, he's he's blossomed into such a good defensive second baseman that if you're factoring in, hey, where's my best defensive team? McNeil is better infielder than he is an outfielder. So when you factor that in, yeah, I agree with you. I think that against right-handed pitching right now, you know, barring Marte walking through that door, Tyler Naquin's going to play. And I get it. He's a solid defensive right fielder. He battled the sun very well on Sunday, used two hands every single time. Everybody loved it. But against left-handed pitching right now without Starling Marte, you're looking at Darren Ruff playing right field, or you're looking at Tyler Naquin playing right field and you're giving up an at-bat, even though I know Naquin came through with the RBI single on Sunday against J.P. Sears, J.P. Sears, no offense, is not the kind of echelon of pitcher you're going to be facing in the postseason. So it's still fluid. And the Marte question is huge because Starling Marte, if I'm not mistaken, is still not doing baseball activities where he's taking batting practice. Well, he's missed a couple of weeks now. If he's able to grip a bat tomorrow, does that even mean he could play by Friday? I don't know. So I think we have to start preparing for the fact that Starling Marte may not be ready, A, for the Atlanta series, B, for the postseason. And there are a lot of lefties on the horizon. Keep that in mind. No matter what team the Mets are playing in any round of the playoffs, you're looking at left-handed pitching. If you face the St. Louis Cardinals, which is a likely divisional series opponent if the Mets get there, you're looking at Jordan Montgomery. Now, Jordan Montgomery's cooled off his last three starts. All the Cashman haters are going to want to leave that one out. But Jordan Montgomery's gotten a little uh, little human over his last three starts. But if you play the Cardinals, you got to worry about Jordan Montgomery. If you play the Phillies, you got to worry about Ranger Suarez, who's had a solid season. If you play San Diego, you got to worry about Blake Snell. If you face Atlanta, you got to worry about Max Freed. If you face the Dodgers, you have to worry about every freaking guy in their rotation, whether it's Urias or it's Kershaw or it's Anderson. They are freaking loaded with lefties. So you're going to face a lefty in the postseason. And Darren Ruff, who continues to get opportunities, he hasn't done enough. I'm sorry. Right now, Darren Ruff's not on the postseason roster. Mark Vientos is. And I know we're only judging that based on a couple of games, but in Ruff's case, it's more than just a couple of games. Here's the problem, though, Met fans. I'm worried. Buck Showalter showed us on Sunday afternoon, Mets A's, he doesn't trust Mark Vientos to play the field. How many innings has Mark Vientos played in the field so far this year with the New York Mets? Zero. He hasn't put him out there. And I'm skeptical. They're going to put a guy on the postseason roster who literally can only hit. Much like Terrence Score, who's going to be on the postseason roster, can only field and run. You don't want him hitting. Now, if you could combine Terrence Score and Mark Vienos in a one human, we'd all be very happy. But I'm worried about that. 
So it's incumbent for Vientos to hit the crap out of the ball in any opportunity he gets over the next week and a half to even earn that opportunity. And oh, by the way, I know it's too little too late, but Francisco Alvarez hit the crap out of the ball down at AAA. Too little too late. I know that. I know they're not calling him up. The way they construct this roster, though, is going to be fascinating. I have a feeling Buck doesn't want Vientos on that roster, though. He loves himself some versatility, and Darren Ruff could play first base, and Darren Ruff could play right field, and he won't trust Mark Vientos anywhere near a glove. Where am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong, but I, I did you see? You saw the update on Starling Marte from what they gave about two hours ago, right? Which was what? They did a CT scan of his fracture finger. Yes. Then he'll do base, continue with baseball activities as tolerated. What does that mean? Yeah, because he's not gripping a bat. Isn't that, That's how I've gotten it, that... Isn't he basically just like running around? He's running. He's keeping himself in shape. I don't think he's baseball activities as the pain tolerates. I, what does that even freaking mean? I don't know, but he said on record multiple times that he wants to be back by by Friday. Do you think he's going to be back by Friday? I need him to. <laughs> uh, no, no, look, I, I we all want him back. I'm just I'm I'm starting to get more skeptical as we get closer to the Atlanta series and we get closer to the actual postseason beginning. I mean, th- their updates have been vague to begin with. I don't know when Starling Marte is coming back. I just can't assume anymore it's going to be in time for Atlanta. Listen, I, I broke my f- – this is not even comparable, but I broke my finger last year. It took six months to stop feeling pain, okay? Let me just put wow. it that way. <laughs> it took six months to stop feeling any sort of pain. I mean, Star- that means we're going to feel a lot of pain. No, I mean, Starling Marte is going to have to play through pain, essentially. And I that's easier said than done. I mean, who the hell am I to say that? I'm not questioning Starling Marte and his uh, ability to handle pain. I'm just being honest that we are less than five days away from Mets Braves. I have a tough time believing he's in the lineup Friday night. And look, here's the truth. As much as we want to see this team win the division and how as important as it is, if he's not ready, he's not ready. I mean, what, what the hell are you going to do? I hope he's ready in time for the postseason because if they're playing in the wild card series, it's a week from Friday. Now, if they're playing in the divisional series, you get a few extra days. Speaking of rest, boy, I'll tell you, Edwin Diaz has barely pitched. It's It really is remarkable how over the last few weeks the Mets have not played close games. You know, whether it's getting blown out by the Cubs in the three-game sweep, whether it's, for the most part, blowing out the Pittsburgh Pirates, whether it's the two out of three that was not that close against Milwaukee, and even this series against Oakland, they have been which is good for our stomachs, by the way, a remarkable run of not playing these really close games, wins and losses. I don't know what amount of work Edwin Diaz needs to be at his sharpest for the postseason, but this upcoming week's going to be a challenge. I almost think he's got to pitch both games against the Marlins either way because he hasn't pitched in the last few days. They have an off day Monday, then they have an off day Thursday, and you don't even know if you're playing Friday because of the rank questions in Atlanta. So I thought Diaz would get into the game Sunday. You, know, you leave that up to Edwin. You leave it up to Buck, kind of figuring how much work they need. It's weird, though, because I think normally we'd be excited about the fact that this bullpen is as well-rested as it is. But you've seen Buck the last few days using Adam Adovino, back-to-back blowouts, trying to keep these guys sharp. And as we sit here a week and a half away, I mean, there's only eight games left in the season before the postseason starts, whether it's the wild card series or the divisional series. I, I I'm not sure how I would even rank the trust tree for this bullpen. 
Obviously, Edwin Diaz is number one. You put Adam Adovino number two. And then after that, I mean, Trevor May has been shaky to the point where I don't think he's a lock to even be on the postseason roster. Drew Smith's been better since the Grand Slam, but all of it has been low leverage situations. Joely Rodriguez has pitched well, and I he's going to be on the postseason roster. As much as we all may not trust him, he is. He's pitched a lot better. I, I don't know if David Peterson's done enough yet where he gets to the postseason roster because they don't need a long man. In that first round, they don't need a long man because they've got Trevor Williams and they've got whatever starting pitcher is out of the five-man rotation or four-man rotation. So between Taiwan, let's say it's Taiwan Walker, between Taiwan Walker and Trevor Williams, you don't need a long man. In fact, you may not even need Trevor Williams because it's a five-game series with the hope that Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom are factors in three of the five games, right? Because you got Jake or Max pitching game one, game five, the other guy pitching game two, and Chris Bassett's been an innings eater. And I'd almost rather have an extra bat off the bench than arm in the bullpen because the Mets are sort of a platoon team, especially at DH. If Marte isn't there, they may be, may be a platoon team in the outfield too. You use Terrence score in that specialty kind of way. And I remember saying this all year. I prefer to have an extra bat over an extra arm because they don't need that many relievers. They haven't needed a lot of relievers for the last few weeks. And in a five-game series in which you have an off day or a three-game series, in which it's just three games and you've got DeGrom and Scherzer pitching two of them, I don't think you need a million guys coming out of your bullpen. Can I make a suggestion? And I, we've kind of, I think we've referenced his name as Lee, at least once, but he hasn't pitched a major league game yet this year. He hasn't pitched in one. He's coming off an injury. But Joe Lucchese has done pretty well in the minors. It's is not that even time, an option? Though. It's just that, you know what the problem is? I don't think I've been able to judge Tyler McGill yet. Have you? Do you have like a feeling on if Tyler McGill should be on the postseason roster? No, I don't. And you know, I, I, I like we talk about this all the time. Like someone who's was a starting pitcher now has to transition to the relief. It's weird, but that's what Lucchese's coming up as right now. They're giving him one inning at a time. No, no, but that's the problem. Like Drew Smith's pitched three games. Tyler McGill's pitched a handful of games. David Peterson's adopting to a new role, and I don't know where we stand with those three guys. So now you throw Joey Lucchese in it. How much is he going to pitch? I mean, they only have eight games left in this season, three of which are going to feel like World Series games against the Atlanta Braves. Time is not on their side. It's like even talking about Alvarez tearing it up. If this was a month ago, we'd all be saying, just call him up. Let's see what he's got. Darren Ruff sucks. There's just not a lot of time left. There just isn't. So I don't know what the hell they'd be able to learn about from Joey Lucchese because the jury right now is still out on Peterson, McGill, and Smith in terms of a, should they be on the postseason roster? I think Drew Smith will definitely be on the postseason roster. Buck loves him. You can already tell. You can already tell from earlier this season, from how important his role was to even now. I think he's a lock to be. Lock's too strong. I think it's very likely he's on the postseason roster. The other two I'm not sure about. I'm really not. And I think it also depends how many arms do they think they need. Because, again, I don't think they need that many arms. I don't. But we've got eight days to figure it out. Off day Monday, they'll play Tuesday, Wednesday. The weather should be nice in New York, so nothing to worry about that. We'll see what happens with this Atlanta series, if it's played, how it's played, how many times they'll play. And look, as far as the standings are concerned, the Mets are a game up. It's game and a half. It's game up. I think after Monday night, it'll go back to a game. Right now, I think that's the goal at this point. Maintain where we are. 
win the two games against Miami, which is important. It's not going to be easy because Pablo Lopez and Lazardo are quality pitchers. They are. I mean, you look at the starting pitching matchups in the two games against Miami, they're almost washes. Like, they're relatively close. So the Mets are going to have to score runs against decent pitching. But win these two games against Miami, get to Atlanta up a game, and it goes back to something we've talked a lot about. If you go to Atlanta up a game, all you've really got to do is win a game. If you can win one of three games, you leave Atlanta tied, but have the tiebreaker, and now you just got to take care of business against the Nationals to win the National League East. Obviously, there's always that possibility you get tripped up. You get tripped up, you lose the division. I acknowledge that, but at least you can leave Atlanta with everything in your hands, which should be the goal. I mean, the goal would be get the hell out of Atlanta knowing if you take care of business, you win the National League East. If we get a gift from the Nationals, party time. To go into that series of two games would be massive. I was hopeful the Phillies could help us on Sunday. David Robertson bounces a wild pitch. The Phillies blow a first and second nobody out situation. Look, we can't rely on the Phillies. And the truth is, as disappointing as the Phillies not winning on Sunday was, they took two games from Atlanta. And I think going into it, that's all we were hoping for. Go get me a split and we'd be happy. And they did. The problem is they teased us on Sunday. So here we go. Final week and a half a year. You feeling good, Hoff? You feeling good? I'm feeling great. And there's one thing that you haven't touched at all today, which I can't believe it. Uh, and I know that we're, we're, we've been, this is a, one of the longer podcasts, but rightfully so. I'm feeling really good about one man. His name is Pete Alonzo, who crushed this weekend. You got to give him some props. Set the single season record for RBI so far. And is on pace to break the record as for home runs as a Met in a single season as well. He has had a remarkable season. He really has. And most of those hits have felt clutch throughout the season. I know we picked on him a little bit for the Chicago series, a couple of meaningless home runs or whatever. But when you drive in 128 runs, which, as you mentioned, shatters the Met team record. And we've had some hitters over the years. Piazza, David Wright. Come on. Daryl Strawberry. Rusty Staub once drove in 105 runs. Uh, it is really cool that he was able to take that record. And it's really cool that Pete now has the record for home runs in a single season of Met history, RBIs in a single season of Met history. And if he stays healthy and the Mets keep him long-term, which I have no doubt they will, he should own basically every record in the history of this franchise and probably go down as the best hitter we ever had in terms of spending his whole career here. Because as great as Piazza was, as great as Keith Hernandez was, as great as Daryl Strawberry was, their entire career was not here. And unfortunately for David, health is what got in the way, which was always what makes you nervous about a guy like this. But Pete has had a tremendous season. Lindor has had a tremendous season. I mean, Pete Alonso has driven in 128. Francisco Lindor has driven in 103. 103. And he's played great defense at shortstop. I think everyone has to admit, For everyone who killed Francisco last year, and I was one of them, how was I not? Uh, He has really had a monster year two. And he's fit that narrative of first year in New York's rough, but then you figure it out. He has figured it out. So kudos to Lindor, kudos to Alonzo. And if this team is going to go on a deep postseason run, you say whatever you want about the pitchers and the bullpen and all that, they're going to need Lindor and Alonzo to carry this offense because they are the engine. They are the keys. They are the RBI mashers. So congrats to Pete and Francisco, and hopefully they keep it up for the final eight games of this season. And hopefully the Mets can go win seven out of eight. 
You go win seven out of eight, that would add up to 105 wins. I take it. And by the way, that would be good enough to win the National League East, too. That would be good enough to win the National League East. So we'll see. Uh, We'll have another Rico after the Miami series is over. We'll recap the two games, but more than that, preview the Monster Series coming up with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, You can listen to Hoff, Tiki, and Tierney, me and Craig, 2 o'clock on WFAN. Any comments or questions at Evan Roberts WFAN at, what are you, Hoff WFAN? At the Hoff WFAN. The Hoff WFAN. And, of course, thank you for downloading Rico Bronia. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 